Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, and man, am I excited about today's show. I love talking to entrepreneurs and successful e-commerce merchants. And today's guest, you're just going to love, you're going to love the story, you're going to love this dude, you're going to learn a ton. Your mind is going to be blown. It's going to be fantastic. So no more hyperbole. Let's just welcome to the show, Mr. Stephen Sash. And Stephen, how are you doing, man? I'm doing really well, although I'll apologize in advance. Um, I had sinus surgery yesterday, so I, if I fall asleep um, or in any other way sound completely incoherent, yeah. I'm blaming it all on the surgery. I, I love it. And I was actually thinking before the show because I watched your, your video that you put on Facebook, you know, announcing that you are, you know, heavily uh, medicated. I, I wasn't <laughs> sure if today we would get like this, the really brilliant, witty Stephen or if we'd get like the, the, the Stephen that may say something that doesn't make sense, but really maybe if we get a little bit of both, I think that would be awesome. All I can tell um, you is I like turtles. That's the <laughs> perfect, most important part. Perfect. All right, that's great. So, uh, <laughs> well, let's, let's dive right in. I really want this to be kind of a story of, of your success with, with Zero Shoes and how you built this company and how it's going and, and all the sure. amazing things that are going on right now. But if you could, like, how did you get to this place where you create, started creating Barefoot sandals. <laughs> how, how did you get the idea? What's kind of the genesis of this company? Oh my, oh my. So 10 years ago, I got back into sprinting after a 30 year break and I don't recommend taking a 30 year break. And so for the first two years, I was just getting injured constantly. And one day a friend of mine, he's a world champion cross country runner. He said, um, try taking off your shoes and see if you learn anything from being barefoot. And what I learned thanks to the magic of a giant blister on one foot, but not the other, was that I had some form problems that were causing said giant blister on one foot and not the other. And by by clearing those up, which basically meant um, adjusting my form till it didn't hurt to run on a giant gaping sore, I found myself running better and my injuries went away and I became much faster. So I'm a master's all-American sprinter, which means um, for men over 55, I'm one of the faster guys around. And um, arguably for men over 55, you might be talking to the fastest Jew in the world. Hey, so, I like that. I, I like segmentation. I like creating <laughs> lists and niches and that that is a niche right there. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a niche of two. And so- <laughs> Uh, but you totally wax that other guy. You're so much faster than him. Exactly. And I buy way more than he does. So yeah. target me instead. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I wanted that barefoot feeling as often as I could have it because it was clearly beneficial. And so I got online, started researching, found essentially, a, well, created a variation of a 5,000-year-old sandal design. And we started selling, well, actually what happened is um, there's a guy in town, he was teaching barefoot running. He said, if you treated this little hobby of making sandals like a business, I'd put you in a book that I'm writing. And I rush home and I pitch this idea to my wife and she tells me it's a horrible idea and it won't make any money and it's yep. a waste of our time. And yep. I'm a very good husband, so I completely agreed with her. Yep. And after yep. she went to bed, I built a website. That a boy. Boy, I love it. Yeah. She, she kind of growled at me the next morning, but we had an SEO, SEM business that we were starting at the time. And I said to her, just, you know, it'll be a good test. I can own this market in about three months. And I did within about three months, every keyword that I cared about, I owned, I had like 40 plus of the top 50 search results for any keyword that I cared about. And it instantly became our full-time job. And then ever since then, I mean, we started selling do-it-yourself sandal making kits to make a 5,000-year-old idea. So sheets of rubber um, that we cut into smaller sheets of rubber, big things of rope that we got at Home Depot that we cut into smaller things, and then instructions. And that's all we had for about a year and a half. And then we met some guys um, who all started at Reebok 40 years ago when it was, geez, like a quarter of the size that we are now. 
and they gave us a lot of advice and they helped us make um, a better outsole to use for making these kits. Uh, they were incredibly helpful. And that's, but we're still selling do it yourself kits for about three and a half years. Um, we met a guy named Dennis Driscoll, who I think we'll probably talk about later actually, who came in as a product developer and um, helped us expand beyond a do it yourself sandal kit to ready to wear sandals, to ready to wear sports sandals, and then shoes and running shoes and performance products and lifestyle products. So it's been this crazy evolutionary thing um, where if you had asked, well, if you had asked me, actually, if you ask any of my friends who saw what we were doing when we first got started seven and a half years ago, um, they thought we were insane and wasting our time. And now they're just, you know, chin on the floor. Oh, I'm um, sure. I'm sure. Come, yeah, it's been it's been amazing. Yeah, and and I, I love that. I love hearing that of of uh, that was your, your polite defiance and say, well, let's just give this a go. And I think that's how a lot of a lot of great ventures start. Um, and and so then somehow you got on Shark Tank, right? And so you appeared on Shark Tank, and yes. I know that was a, a big deal. So so how did that come about, and and what was that like? The way it came about, well, first of all, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, one of the things to expect is that everyone you know will say, oh, my God, you should be on Shark Tank. Right. And after uh, the show was pretty early on at the time, so we didn't really know what they were talking about. And then we watched the show and went, "Ooh, we should be on Shark Tank. And we watched every episode uh, on YouTube. We watched every episode of Dragon's Den from the UK, every episode of Dragon's Den from Canada. We did not watch the original version in Japanese. That would not have done much good. <laughs> we, we did consider it. Yeah. Um, and I, I sent an, I, I don't know what I did, an email or something, but I didn't realize that the show does their casting at very specific times and in very specific ways. And so when I found that out, I waited till they were opening up casting for the next season. It was season four. And the moment that it happened, I mean, literally within a minute or two of them announcing, I sent an email saying, here's who we are and here's what we do and here's why we need to be on your show. And again, um, I'm going to come back to the the emphasis on luck in our business. So here's a lucky thing with Shark Tank. I think the person who vetted our email, and they got something like 36,000 emails that year, was someone who was hip to the book Born to Run, which was what started the whole minimalist footwear, nice. barefoot nice. running thing. So she was kind of already tuned to who we are. And but I also sent in a video maybe a little while later. I don't know if anyone saw that or what happened with that. Um, suffice it to say, I sent the email. They read the email. They called. Oh, I take it back. They sent the email. Or I sent the email. I sent the video. And the other thing they did at the time was live auditions. They still do. And I was ready to book flight to go to Chicago to do a live auditioning thinking I do way better in person than I do in text. And the day I was going to book the flight is when they called me and they wow. interviewed Lena and I. And after about an hour on the phone, they said, this is great. We'd love to get like a five minute video from you where you answer these 500 questions and uh, get it to us by Monday if you can. This is on a Thursday. And I said, no prob. We'll just shoot it over the weekend. And unbeknownst to me, uh, my wife had been planning a surprise 50th birthday party for me that weekend. <laughs> Oh, man. So, um, so I'm like, Hey, no problem. And she's like, what? Uh, and we, it, it worked out. We sent them the video and this onerous, um, application that had to be handwritten. Uh, so I had to hire someone from Craigslist to be able to handwrite our typed answers. Cause you can't read either of our handwriting. <laughs> and then they called back again, interviewed us again and sent us a contract and said, well, you know, the contract is not saying that you're on the show. It's just that we're interested. It's like, all right. And then the moment they got the contract, they called us back and said, we want you on the show. Wow. So a couple of things. Uh, yeah, that, that's phenomenal. And I want to talk about the experience being on Shark Tank in a minute. But one of the things that I've been so impressed 
just watching you, Steve, and watching you run your business and as you've been designing products and iterating and doing new things is that you just attack someone from every angle. And I think, I think that, <laughs> that shows it right there. Like, so I sent, you know, I sent an email, but I didn't, I didn't leave it there. I sent a video. And then once we got the call and they asked for the video, it was like, sure, no problem. I don't care if I've got a birthday party or tra traveling or whatever, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it happen. And I think that shows an entrepreneur. Cause I think if someone wasn't an entrepreneur, they may say, well, yeah, I, I get this thing. I'll, I'll get you the video later. You know, am, am I allowed to use, um, uh, language that is not safe for work. Sure. Sure. Um, I like to say that I've been diagnosed with a case of the go fuck yourselves. <laughs> and so, um, you know, if there's an opportunity, if someone says no, it's like, Oh, you shouldn't have said that. That's right. not going to end. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. Just don't, don't give up. <laughs> and also don't, don't leave things to chance. I mean, you, you talk about luck and every entrepreneur, every good business, you hit patches of luck, right? You do, but you, you also, you also, can create some of that. And I, and I think by, by working as many angles as possible, gives you more chances to, to have luck, you know? So, um, so love that. Well, you know, look, it's certainly, you certainly want to get in the way of as much as you can mm -hmm. and whether, however you frame that in terms of, you know, creating whatever, I don't, that's not my, I don't really care. Um, I'm just basically on a constant search for what can we do to take the next step. Got it. Got it. Great. So, so you get invited, they, they want you on Shark Tank, you yeah. show up. Yeah. Uh, what was that experience like? Well, let's back up. It was incredibly stressful from the moment they said, we want you till the moment the show aired. Uh, because first, just the preparation was really significant. I mean, Lena and I, we, we attacked it. We read the autobiographies of all the sharks. We, um, we had friends who were serious entrepreneurs who we had, they, we had them come and grill us. Um, and, and basically pretend to be the sharks. Um, and these wow. were really smart guys. So that was very helpful. Um, we, I mean, we just did everything we could think of, uh, for the last couple of weeks of prior to being on the show, I don't think Lane and I said anything to each other that wasn't our pitch. Um, so <laughs> yeah. it was, you know, and we, and we did a lot of research on valuation cause that's a really big deal for the show. Yes. So, uh, and, and we had to prepare our business as well. You know, if you're going to be on that show, you might do incredibly well. You might, uh, sell t tons and tons of product or you might not. Um, if you don't do well, I mean, that could be, that could change it all too. So we didn't know how it was all going to pan out and we were just preparing for every possibility. So that took a lot of effort as well. And a lot of thinking about our business, like what do we really want to do here? Why are we doing this? And, and that was my, our favorite part was just the focus that it gave us about what we were doing and why we were doing it. And, um, we're forever grateful for that. Man, it's almost like if you had gone through that process and not even appeared on Shark Tank, it still would have been valuable. Uh, just, just getting ready and focusing and, and going through the numbers and looking at it like a real business. There's uh, no question awesome. about that. Yeah. 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 No question about that. Very good. Very good. So, so you, you fly out to the show. How does that, how does that go? Well, it's kind of surreal. So you walk out and it's like, Hey, there's Kevin and there's Damon and there's Robert and there's, there's Cuban. And there, I mean, it's like everyone there. And what was in, what was very interesting to me was I've actually got a um, long history in the entertainment world. So I'm familiar with this phenomenon from the other end. I had a television show that was kind of popular for a while and um, people recognized me. And there's this, there's this very peculiar false sense of familiarity that you get um, with people that you watch on television. And I was instantly aware of that. Um, that feeling. It's like, oh yeah, these, these people that I've been watching for all this time, it's like, whoa. So you felt like you knew them. Yeah. Well, it's a very common thing, but you can't, 
you can't do that because you don't know them and they don't know you. Right. And it's really important to remember that because otherwise you'll you'll have this false sense of familiarity and then say something that you would say to a friend that you should never say to someone who's going to invest in your company. Right. Interesting. Really interesting. Or vice versa, frankly. Yep. So um, and, and, you know, and actually it's really funny. They wanted me to tell the uh, fastest Jew in the world joke the producers did. And I did. But what when you see the show, it looks like a conversation. It is not a conversation. They're all sitting there scribbling notes and trying to one up each other and not paying attention to you and doing their own thing. So um, when I told that line, it got nothing. I mean, zilch. And then and then Cuban kind of like looked up from his notebook and said, wait, what did you just say? And I repeated it and he laughed, but no one else was listening still. So uh-huh. I instantly knew don't try to tell jokes. Yeah. yeah. Um, if they don't, if they can make it edit it, they could edit it so that I say this funny thing. But if they then cut to the shark on what? Right. Uh, right. It D- doesn't look not a good look. Not a good look for you. Not yeah. a good look. No. So that was that lesson. Anyway, I mean, being on the show for me it was terribly exciting. I mean, in my mind, how hard is it to talk about our business? In fact, you don't see it on the show, so I'll reveal something that I'm, I'm probably not allowed to say. That at one point, after we hit all their objections really far out of the park, Robert just jumps out of his chair and he yells, "You have a perfect answer for every question!" And <laughs> Lane and I just looked at him kind of incredulously. We said, "Well, this is our business. This is our business. What we do. This is who we are." This, yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, but then, you know, we leave the show and you realize we're on, we're in there for like 45 minutes or so and they cut it down to eight and a half. And so yep. you realize that they could do whatever they want with that footage. They, they could they make, make you, you look know, however they want to make you look, right? Yeah. If they had all the, if they just took all the images of every time I'm picking my nose and put those together, <laughs> I would have been, you know, the shoe selling nose picker. Yep. So, um, that, that was, that was really terrifying. And also you don't know if you're going to get on. So they take more segments than they actually air. Got so it. for the rest of the time, we're just sitting there waiting to see if we're going to go on, when we're going to go on, what it's going to look like. Um, it was, that was really, really stressful. Oh my God. And then the night of the show. So in the, in the, the upcoming episode thing and the TV guide or whatever the TV guide has turned into, we were the lead story. It was whatever a hippie couple from Boulder or something. I think they call us. Uh, <laughs> nice. So we expected that we were going to be the lead in the show. And we were not the first segment in the show and we were not the second segment in the show and we were not the third segment in the show. Oh, no. And there's only 10 minutes coming left, coming back. And we're like, what? And then we are the last segment. So that was crazy. A little and stressful. Then, did you have a big watch party, have people over to check it did. out? Stuff? Yeah, but we did. And my, my parents had one um, where they live and uh, that was really fun for them. And, and then of course, you know, just dealing with the effect. So we did about three months worth of business in the week following the show. The site, wow. of course, was crashing like crazy. Yes, yes. I, was up, I was up for 72 hours straight um, when after the show aired. At one point, I have a treadmill desk. I'm standing on my treadmill desk talking to someone on Skype at about the 70-hour mark, uh, and they asked me a question. And as I was trying to think of the answer, I fell asleep while standing up <laughs> on my desk. Oh, man. Oh, man. What a, you, you were running on pure adrenaline, I'm sure, up until that point, and then it finally, finally hit you. Whatever hormone I could muster is what yes. I was using. Yeah, that's amazing. Any any entrepreneurial so, – so a couple of things I noticed, like the way you guys prepped for that – you got ready. You focus on your oh, business. Yeah. Any yeah. any other entrepreneurial lessons though that you took from that experience, or anything you would share with other people? Some takeaways. Yeah, yeah get your head out of your ass. Um, so <laughs> love that. What I mean by that is a couple of specific things. Um, oh boy, where to begin? You've got to really ask yourself: Are you committed to this business, and yeah. why? Yeah. You've got to have a really good reason to do it because this is hard work, and. 
the, and it's ever changing work. Early on, Lena was complaining. She'd be really upset in the morning saying, you know, I, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And I said, right, you're not supposed to. No one knows what they're doing. Get used to it. Our job right. is just figure it out on a daily basis of how to answer this completely novel problem. Even the problems that are familiar. I mean, we're in the footwear business. Everyone knows the problem. Well, the people in the footwear business know the problems in the footwear business. But even with those, you know, our version is just a, is going to be unique. Uh, and so we got to you know figure them out. And um, so that was sort of one thing. The other is be really. You need to be. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, brilliantly. I don't mean that in a smart way. I mean that in like a laser cutting way, clear about the reality of your business. I don't, my, my favorite and by favorite, I mean, least favorite thing is when someone says they want to be on Shark Tank and I say, well, um, why are you going to be successful? And they go, well, I'm really passionate. It's like, of course you're passionate. Who cares? Yeah, they, if they, don't care, they don't care about passion. I mean, that they don't be, care because it's meaningless. Everybody's right. passionate, whatever. So that's a completely useless thing to say. Um, but you got to really look at your numbers and really know if they're real, know if they're what they're telling you, know if it, it, there's this, one of the things that I uh, would love to do in my life is end the entire business self-help section of the, of the bookstore right on. because for everybody who says, here's the way you do it, there's someone giving the exact opposite answer yeah, as well. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so true that I think some people that they're, once they're successful, they, they look back they up. And, and they make it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fiction. Right. They will leave out all of the, I actually have done this. I've asked people who are seemingly very successful. Um, how much of your success is due to luck or chance or fate? If you believe in that or things that are out of your control and the things that they say, those answers much more interesting than the, how did you get here? Mm. Because the, how did you get here is usually what the story they tell is usually all about how smart they are right. and how wonderful they are. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I just know how to hire those people. <laughs> yeah, right. Because that's the, the, the correct answer. That's the answer that makes you feel yeah. good, makes your employees feel good and, and all right. of that. Yeah. Right. And, e and even if it's true, it's like, well, then how'd you find those guys? So why are they working for you? What are the, talk to me about all the unpredictable things about that. I mean, ours are crazy unpredictable. So, um, so, so one of the things that people like to say is that it's all about perseverance. Well, I know a lot of guys who persevered to bankruptcy. Right. Persevered uh, so, doing the wrong things or, or with, with the right. wrong idea or targeting the wrong right. market or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you've got to be really willing to look at your business and see what it's telling you. Is it telling you that this is something that's sustainable? Is it telling you that this is something that can grow the way you want it to grow? If you want to have a lifestyle business, I'll tell you right off the bat, you have your head up your ass because <laughs> no lifestyle business sustains itself for an extended period of time. Right, right. They, they all have limited windows, so you're going to have to create your next lifestyle business. Good luck. Uh, so, I mean, that was something Lane and I realized maybe at the two-year mark. When we were, I said to her, wouldn't it be nice to have a little business, ran online, took a couple hours a day, made a few hundred thousand dollars a year. She goes, that's what we have. Went, yeah, too bad we can't keep it that way. That's just too too dangerous and vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. And one of, went back to one of those things where, uh, you know, you can you can have anything you want as an entrepreneur if you, you know, work hard and work work half days, right? And with, with you know, 24 hours being a full day, 12 hours being a half day. That's uh, that's often what, yeah. it, what it takes. Well, I, I'll never forget one of the first internet marketing workshops ever done was with my friend Jonathan Mizell here in Boulder. This is, geez, you know, 23 years ago. Um, and um, he's, there's maybe 50 people in the room. And these are some of the, the pioneers. He says, how many of you quit your 40, 40 hour a week job so you could have your own business on the internet? And everyone raised their hand. He goes, how many of you are now working at least 
80 hours a week. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, we, uh, those of us that are called to be entrepreneurs, you know, nothing else really well, fits or works quite the same. You so. know, I love that you said that because one of the, on other podcasts, and I know you won't do this, so I'm going to, I will reveal this thing. People always ask me, so, you know, what advice do you have for a budding entrepreneur? And I always say the same thing. I say, uh, get a government job with a pension. And then they're like, what? I go, seriously, get a government job with a pension. I'm 55. I have friends who are now retiring on 70 grand a year, adjusted for inflation for the rest of their life. Uh, that's a way better gig. Yeah. Um, but, but more, the, the reason I can make that joke is, there's nothing you could say to an to someone who's truly entrepreneurial that will talk them out of it. Yep, yep, and exactly. If you can't, and there's nothing that you can say that's going to be really meaningful until they jump into their business. And if I could try to inspire you, then you're really not the right person to be doing this. Yeah, yeah, that's phenomenal. Well, I, I love the the next question. Then, based on our conversation we just had, because I know you're not going to give cliche answers or try to re, <laughs> repaint like history, it. but but I, I've looked, you know, just just observing Zero Shoes, and and I got to mm -hmm. see it kind of early on, you know, not too long after. Shark Tank and then just the way you've yeah. grown. And I want to talk about products in a minute and stuff like that. But you've created this, this lifestyle brand, not, not a lifestyle yeah. business where people are, you know, sipping Mai Tais on the beach and right. working an hour a day, but you've, you've created this, this aspirational brand where people like they right. want to associate with zero shoes. How, how did you do that? Like, what were some of the things you think led to you being successful? Like, cause most people that try to do that are not <laughs> successful. Boy, uh, again, I'm going to, I'm going to harp on the luck factor because it's a combination of, it's a combination of product and marketing. Um, you've got to have a product that warrants that and you've got to, and so our product people talk about the experience they have is profound enough that they share it with their friends. Um, so that's a big deal. And you can't fake that part, obviously. Um, then the part that you just want to do is encourage it. You want to encourage creating the community. And you do that in a lot of ways. For us, um, being as transparent as we can is one. Um, another is just I put out a lot of, well, not as much as I would like. Let's just say, I, let's call it a lot of video content, but not as much as I would like. Uh, and I, I don't have the ability to talk to anybody differently than I talk to anybody else. So, um, that kind of comes in handy that, that it's, I'm what I'm, well, look, what I'm saying is true. That's the best part right. is when I'm talking about feet and footwear, all the things I'm saying are true. And when you have the truth on your side, you can kind of get away with anything. So that's, that comes in awfully handy. And that's not something that many marketers or product people can say, to be honest, uh, which is a funny thing to say, to be honest about being true. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of people are selling stuff where they don't know if it really works. They don't know if it's really good. They, you know, they hope, but we, we know what we're doing is the real deal. Yep. So that, and, and that I love how you guys are, you're, the, this is a very authentic place for you. I mean, you're in this community, yeah. you guys use the shoes, you design them for your own use. You're active, you're sprinting, yeah. you're outside. Like it just, it just all resonates and it all, all comes together and it works. And, and I think, you know, one of the, the best signs of a brand that's healthy is a community that's healthy around it. And so yeah. uh, in, any other things you're doing to kind of build this community, your, your video content is great and people see you and they see that, hey, this, this Steven guy is real, love listening to him. He's, a, he, he's edgy, he's smart, you know, I, I like it. Uh, other things you're doing to build that community? Um, well, we're very actively engaged on social media. So we talk to people. We don't use it just to talk about us. We are talking to them. And uh, uh, that's a big part of it. Um, 
I know there's other things that I, oh, you know, we have a very robust email follow-up campaign that we use to just stay in touch with people and um, tell them what's going on. Uh, we're continually creating new products and that helps as well. So we're not stagnant. People are, when we went to a trade show just, just last week, people were sort of dumbstruck at what we've become since they started watching us, uh, which is always a very fun thing. Um, a big thing though really is the, the, participating in social media. And by participating, I mean going to places where it's not all about you and being part of the conversation, uh, which is frankly hard. <laughs> One of my favorite, and again, by favorite, I mean least favorite things, <laughs> is when someone writes about us uh, somewhere and they don't tag us. So we have no way of really finding that information right, easily. Right. Then they get mad when we don't respond in a timely manner. It's like, geez, I, I would have loved to, but I did not know that you were talking about me. <laughs> Oh man, that's great. And and so you, you mentioned new products. So let's actually talk about that for a little bit because mm -hmm. you, know, you talked about the do-it-yourself kit and, and going from, you know, rope that you bought at Home Depot and, and rubber yeah. and just, you know, cutting it out. And now, I mean, you've got like these amazing, and everybody's got to get, check it out. It's zero shoes and that's zero with an X. But check it out. I mean, you got, you got boots now, you got shoes. Yeah. I mean, this stuff yeah. looks amazing. So how did you get from the DIY to, to designing these fantastic shoes? And are you behind all the designs? Did you, did you build a team around that? What, what does that look like? It's both. I mean, so back to the luck thing. One day, a friend of ours is walking his dog and bumps into another guy whose dog, his dog knew the other guy's dog. Uh, and they started chatting. And it turns out the other guy was the former head of product design for Crocs, who had been a footwear designer for 35 years at the time. And our friend said, oh, you know, Stephen and Elaine have a shoe company. And so the other guy is Dennis Driscoll, hands our friend his phone number. I call him up. We have lunch. We have a great time hanging out. And I said, it would be awesome to be able to work with someone like you someday. And he goes, well, why not work with me? I said, well, I don't think I can afford you. He goes, dude, I'm retired. I'm like, hey, you're hired. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Hey, Brett Curry here. A quick note from one of our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to the episode. So our primary underwriter is OMG Commerce, the company that I'm the co-founder and CEO of. And as many of you know, we are a Google premier partner. And in 2016, we were one of the fastest growing premier partners in the entire world. We're very proud of that. And so we build full funnel campaigns for e-commerce companies. So search, shopping, video, display campaigns, we build those out. It is now time to get ready for the holidays. And so I've got two free offers for you, a resource and then an offer. And let me talk about the, the resource first. So we just recorded a webinar with our two Google reps. So our two reps flew into our headquarters here in Springfield, Missouri. We recorded a webinar, the ultimate guide to holiday prep. We talk about campaign structure. We talk about smart bidding. We talk about budgets. We talk about feed readiness and a host of other things. Some new stuff coming from Google. It's a fantastic webinar. If you'll go to omgcommerce.com forward slash learn, you'll see a link to download that webinar. I suggest you check it out, share it with your team completely free of charge. The other thing is we would love to schedule a strategy session with you. So if you feel like your campaigns are not quite ready for the holidays, we'd love to schedule a strategy session, look at how your full funnel approach is looking right now, provide suggestions, provide feedback, and potential ways we could help. So if you'd like to schedule that strategy session, go to omgcommerce.com, click on get started, and there'll be a form there to schedule a strategy session. Love to connect with you. And with that, back to the episode. So talk to me about that, that transition of deciding to go from just sandals to now also making shoes. Was that tough at all? Because there was a time when I, I almost would have guessed you guys were just going to stick with, with sandals. 
there was a time where I thought all we were going to do was do-it-yourself sandals or some variation of custom-made sandals. In fact, that was our original business plan was using a kiosk to have people come into a shoe store, for example, step on the kiosk. Um, we would do a 3D model of their foot, and then we'd make a custom sandal for them within 24 hours. But that changed. So, no, it wasn't a hard transition philosophically because, again, people were asking for it. People were saying, we love your sandals, but we need closed-toe shoes for fill-in-the-blank, you know, myriad reasons. So it was it was a simple decision to make. It was a long process to decide what we wanted to make, what we wanted to make first, what we how how we wanted to make it unusual and unique while still giving the benefits that we're that we're known for uh, with our sandals. So there was a lot involved. It was something we knew we wanted to do again because people were asking for it, but the the specifics were were undeniably complicated. A, a shoe is it's kind of paradoxical. I was going to say a shoe is harder to make than a sandal, uh, but that's not totally true because our sandals in their simplicity are kind of complex. We had to retrain factories how to make our shoes because the rubber for our sandal is the entire product sometimes, not just something you glue onto something else and don't care about the quality of. Uh, but for a shoe, frankly, the most difficult thing was that sizing for shoes is more or I'll say it this way, sizing for shoes is less forgiving than it is for sandals. And so that changed a lot of our business metrics about returns and exchanges and, and how we would tell people about sizing. Uh, so some of that we went into somewhat blindly and naively as one goes into most things when you're an entrepreneur. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. You know, it's interesting though, it looks like you know, everything I've, I've seen on the site, and by the way, the shoes are, are, are amazing. They look fantastic. Um, better than I would have guessed. Like if someone had said a couple of years ago when I met you, hey, they're going to do a shoe too. You're like, well, man, that's hard. It's hard to come up with something that looks cool, footwear that looks cool, but it looks amazing. Yeah. You got a ton of five-star reviews. Yeah. So, so what, what, what is the, what is the overall reception been for the shoes? It looks like it's been great. Insane. Um, there's a guy named Phil Maffetone. Big shout out to Phil. Phil has been an endurance running coach for decades. I got my first, I'm not even an endurance runner, but I got my first book from Phil. She's back in the late 80s, I think. And we've become friends since I started this business. And I said to him one day, uh, do you feel vindicated that you've been telling everyone basically to go barefoot or as close to it for all this time? Or do you feel mad that it took people so long to catch up to <laughs> yeah. you? And, um, anyway, Phil uh, got a pair of our Prio running shoe and he, he emailed me and said, I think this is perhaps the best running shoe ever made. Wow. Wow. That's that's a huge compliment. That's amazing. Well, and, we, and we've actually heard that from a number of other very well-known runners and running coaches who uh, who ha haven't taken them off since the day we we got them to them. So we are we're beside ourselves. And look, between you and me and everyone listening, we're working on some improvements to that, and we're working on variations uh, for that are applicable for for other domains. So we have a, a trail version of the Prio that we're that's coming out in September. Um, uh, when is that month? April of next year, maybe March. And then we have uh, a, a like racing version of that that we're working on. There's some really, really clever stuff in the hopper that people Very are going to cool. go. Very cool. Uh, hey, I, I appreciate that e-commerce evolution exclusive announcement. You heard it here <laughs> first, folks. So that, well, that's you, actually, you heard it here second because we announced this at a trade show a couple okay, weeks ago, which is why okay. I felt confident that's, saying it. Now. Okay. All right. That's cool. So yeah, really excited about that. Um, well, let's talk. We talked about product development, which was a, a ton yeah. of fun. Let's talk about your site. And I got to experience your site back in the very beginning, kind of just after Shark Tank. And, and it wasn't bad. But, but yeah. looking at what you have now, it's it's a huge improvement. So yeah. can you talk about that that iteration, what that's been like? Has it been kind of this slow and steady 
you know, start with a minimum viable product and then iterate, or has it been a couple of major re redesigns? Both. Um, look, it started out when I, I got the idea to do this and Lena told me, my wife told me it was a really stupid idea and I agreed and said I wouldn't do it. And then after she went to bed, I built the website. <laughs> uh, and the way that happened was I just found a WordPress theme, modified the crap out of it and put it up with a shopping cart and away we went. Then we only had one product. It was our do-it-yourself kit. It's now our classic kit. Um, as we expanded uh, and the barefoot story changed a little bit, um, we had a new cart, got into WooCommerce, a whole bunch of things. We then uh, did a major redesign. And then there were some iterative things that happened along the way. But at a certain point, it just became even more clear that as we had a broader product line and had the shoes coming on board, we were becoming more of an aspirational lifestyle brand rather than a barefoot running company. Um, we needed to to just up the game and make it make things look more um, this, is, this is an interesting balance. We had to make it more, look more consistent with current e-commerce sites, but I deliberately don't do some of the things that are now just overused like crazy. Like, you know, this parallax things and late loading images and stuff that's really cute the first time you see it, but after a while it just like grates on your nerves and soon it's going to look like mid-century modern homes where it's like, oh, remember when we did that two years ago? That was so cute back then. So, we're, we try to do design things that are as evergreen as possible to give us uh, more flexibility as we move down the line. And, and the site is still evolving. I'm, I'm literally right before we got on this call, I sent an email to some conversion rate guys that I know to start powwowing with them about some testing that I want to do. Uh, less on design than getting people to move through the flow of the conversation that I'd like to have with them so that they feel more confident ordering and knowing what to order. Gotcha. And and so what have what are some of the things, some of the, the tactics that you've used to help with that process? So to encourage shopping, to move them through, to educate them. Yeah. You know, what would have been some things you've done to the site, maybe in its latest version, to help with that conversation, to help with conversions? How has that worked? Well, one of the things is kind of less with the site and more with our customers, we've done both on-site um, surveying, mostly as people are leaving the site, we'll hit them with a survey option. And I've sent out emails to, to customers and prospects asking them to fill out rather extensive surveys about why they came to the site, if they found what they wanted, what they were looking for, what they didn't find, uh, just a whole bunch of questions. We had, God, I sent out, uh, I sent out an email to this one subset of our list where maybe it was like 3,000 or 3,500 people on the list and I got 1,200 responses to this Whoa. survey. That took, that's, yeah, and this survey crazy. took at least a half an hour to fill out. Wow. So just outrageous. Not um, everybody can do that. You have to have a community. You have to have like this, This. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't think every product could get away with that. So kudos no. to you for that. Yeah. No, I actually had to apologize to Mark Cuban. Um, he and I, you don't see this on Shark Tank, but he and I got into an, they cut it out. He and I got into an argument about email open rates where he made a claim about the email open rate for stuff that he sends to the Mavericks newsletter list that I thought was just patently absurd. And, and then I crushed his open rates with emails <laughs> and sent him, a, nice. sent him a letter saying, Sorry. So yeah, um, yeah that's great. Uh, so uh, we've done a some of how do I want to describe this? Some of it is that we'll look in GA and see where the traffic is flowing and where the traffic is leaving. Yep. Some of it is that we just have some ideas about things that may or may not work better, and then we'll split test all of these things. So, for example, we just ran a test with just the 
the video that's on our hero spot on our homepage, first thing you see, a little 10 second video that plays in the background. I tested that against a number of other static images and a few other messages. And after two months of testing, the results were inconclusive, which meant that we could never find any statistically any statistical improvement with the other options that we found. And these were all different enough that I had the idea. In fact, I, I had a prediction about which one was going to win, and none of them won. So mm, I, I like the video, so we stuck with the video. Um, product detail page stuff is tricky. I'm still doing some some ideas on what I want to do to, to test uh, some things there to get people – the biggest thing I want to do is get people reading the reviews more because right. our reviews as you mentioned are really through the roof. So I want people to get that social proof. Um, we saw that people were were looking at the reviews not as I can't remember this the actual thing that we discovered, but something where the people who saw the reviews were buying more frequently and not mm -hmm. enough people were seeing the reviews. Hmm. So that was an interesting thing that we found. Um, the, the gist is that. We try to start with a customer-focused idea about what they want to see, what makes them respond emotionally, and then we look at everything and ask ourselves, is this giving them what they need? Is this letting them see themselves in an imagined future enjoying our products? And uh, we, we undeniably have not mastered this yet, but that's the fundamental idea. This is a conversation I had with uh, Talia Wolf, who's a great conversion rate person. And that's really her fo focus is, you know, emotion is what sells. So how do you communicate this emotion when you're doing something relatively dry? And, and even more, when you have the issue that people are buying your products for very different reasons. Right. So... And, and they're buying it without holding it or trying it on, which, which is, you know, historically for the, the footwear business has been crazy. Um, and and what's what you do a really good job of speaking to that, that emotion side of things. First of all, your imagery is fantastic. Would, would love to hear if you got any Thanks. any secrets there, but also your social proof. So then as you go below the kind of the hero images of the yeah. product, you got some fantastic social proof of, of, of people wearing the shoes, you know, in, in various fun outdoor adventurous places. Any, any tips on photography there? Uh, take a lot of pictures yeah. and um, hire a number of photographers because it, it's amazing. This is, a, I'm realizing this in real time. It's very interesting. We've hired a bunch of photographers um, who, some of whom are really good at certain kinds of shots and really crappy at other kinds. Yeah, yeah. Like, really good at action, really bad at portrait, really good at people sitting around, really bad at someone moving. You know, it's it's kind of crazy. And I have a master's degree in film, so I kind of know how to hold a camera. And pretty much anytime we go out to do a film shoot, I bring a camera and just go along for the ride. Nice, Sometimes nice. I'll give some direction and I'll ask the person to do some things. Sometimes I will just shoot on my own. And a number of the shots that you see are things that I took. Uh, so it's... I'll give one piece of advice to pass on when you hire a photographer. Ask the photographer and they will resist this and they will tell you they're doing it and they aren't doing it. Ask them to not edit in the camera, which means back up. If you're going to frame a shot to look good, you actually want to be in as close as you can get to communicate what you want to communicate. But when you're going to deal with the, a website or a catalog, um, it's so common that the aspect ratio you need, the size of the image you need is slightly different than what comes out of the camera. And if you, if you don't have some extra room around the main image, you often can't 
edit it to get what you want. Got it. Got it. Interesting. We've had so many shots that were gorgeous if the camera was back two feet. And so so close. Yet so far. Yeah. Um, oh, painful, painful. Gotcha. Was it? Was there anything? I love the fact that you did that survey. It sounds like you got um, tremendous feedback. Yeah. Was there anything? Any feedback there that surprised you? Like anything that, that was kind of an aha moment? <laughs> well, um, not a whole lot. I'm chuckling because one of the first questions was, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? And there were a few people who emailed me to tell me what a complete ass they thought I was for <laughs> asking that completely insane question. Yep. Um, yep. And I wrote them back saying, look, you'd be amazed at how much you learn about someone if they say flying versus invisibility. Yeah. So um, uh, I get your point. And by the way, the correct answer is shapeshifter. Shapeshifter. Because you can get, you can, you can do anything if you're a shapeshifter. <laughs> okay. So. That makes sense. You know, you ought to publish like a blog post just saying, hey, these are of all, all our Zero Shoes community. <laughs> these are the superpowers. Top idea. 10 superpowers they, they said they oh wanted to have. Oh my God. That is a great idea. I'm gonna. I'm totally gonna steal that and do it. Good, That's good, awesome. do it. You gave it to me. Yeah. Uh, wait, I gotta. I gotta write that down. Top yeah. ten superpowers. That is so funny because I can't sort on that. Yeah. Um, they're they're really. I'll tell you the biggest surprise, and and this hopefully will be useful as well, was discovering how meaningless many of the comments were from some of our customers. And the reason that I say that is it became very obvious that they were answering with language that I gave them. Not in the questions, but just the amount of content that I've created, they've imbued that, they've imbibed that, they've mm. swallowed it whole, and that's what the, how they tell the story. They tell the story by telling the story the way I tell the story. Almost and, re, they're regurgitating back what, what you've yeah. uh, spoken yeah. to them. Interesting. So I had to be very careful to tease out the comments that were clearly just you know redundant or repeating or regurgitating what I did. Interesting. Interesting. Very cool. Uh, talk about any any traffic sources that are that are just kind of your favorite right now, and that, that's always a moving target. So, in, in, anything you're excited about right now? Um, I'm always a massive fan of organic search, yeah. and we are really, really lucky that we have a lot of it for for a couple of different reasons. One, from having been on Shark Tank, people know us. We have more brand awareness than a brand our size. Uh, could or should have without that. The amount of type in traffic we get is just really, really high. Uh, the the other reason is that we're very aggressive about SEO. And there are a couple of keywords that I'm starting to dominate over some multi-billion dollar competitors, which fantastic. <laughs> I really like that. No um, actually, I, to be honest, I have mixed feelings about it because my I, I like it from a business standpoint. But one of the possible things that could happen in the future of this company is, you know, someone who acquires footwear companies could want to acquire us. And so some of the companies I'm competing with are owned by bigger companies that could acquire us. So the question is, are they going to be impressed that I'm beating out their billion dollar clients or are they going to be pissed that I'm beating <laughs> yeah. dollar yeah. clients? And, and I, I literally don't know because honestly, probably both. Well, I, <laughs> I would hope that when someone comes in mad that I have just aced them, you know, I have the one number one position that someone else has the foresight to move it up the ladder. They, they should be the, mad at their own team, honestly. But yeah, well, of course, of course. But I'm hoping it moves up the ladder and someone says, we need to talk to this guy. Uh, and that would be interesting. I've met people who run uh, um, digital marketing for some very big companies. And it's frankly amazing to me how little many of those people know. I, I bet. I bet. Uh, anything interesting you're doing on, on the social space, whether that's with, with Facebook ads or you guys are just trying to mainly trying to go organic on, on, on uh, social? 
a little bit of both. We're doing a lot of advertising and we're, we're just doing, we're testing things like crazy. Um, we're finding what's working and amplifying that. So if a post starts to really get some traction, we, we boost that in various ways. Um, we're doing a lot of testing to see what headline goes with what image, et cetera. But the thing that's most interesting for me on Facebook is we can build dynamically updating custom audiences based on our customer behavior. In other words, and as an example, I have a custom audience that is just people who've purchased a particular product in the last 30 days, 90 days, and 180 days. And we retarget those people, and we then build a lookalike audience based on those people to do cold advertising to. And that's been really interesting. Uh, so that's kind of one of my favorite things at the moment. And, and are you finding like once someone, I know you, you take that audience and do lookalikes, which which is very powerful, but are you finding after someone purchases, you know, 30, 60 days later, that are they buying another shoe sometimes? Is that, do you have that kind of frequency of repurchase? Uh, we do. We don't have a very deep product line. Right. So we have a uh, performance shoe, a casual shoe, two sport sandals, two thong style sandals, our do-it-yourself kit. That's really about it. At the moment, we have more products coming out uh, between, well, late September of 2017 and then spring of 18 and kind of spring, summer and fall of, eight, uh, of each year. So it's not like, and footwear is not typically one of those things that people just come and buy right. multiples. Yep. But because we are launching new products, uh, we do see that whenever we have a launch, we see a significant percentage that come back. And the thing with, with zero shoes is we're um, we're kind of addictive. So once you get out of big, thick, heavy, motion controlled, padded, toe squeezing foot coffins, and experience, I, I love I love that that phrase. <laughs> I was I was hoping you would you would use that the foot coffin. Uh, that's awesome. Um, you know, so once you can feel what it's like to let your feet move and bend and flex naturally, it's you don't want to go back to something else. So that's our goal as a company is to expand our product line so that people could be wearing our product 24 seven. And yes, we will be making slippers for bedtime. No, we're not. But, um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, so we do see that and we do see that people will come back and buy, they'll start buying one product and then want to try something different. They'll start with a shoe, maybe want to try a sandal or vice versa. Sometimes they'll start with a sandal and go, you know, I want to try that do it yourself thing. That looks fun. Got it. Got it. So any other areas of, of Facebook advertising that are really intriguing to you guys right now? Are you, are you running remarketing or, or other ad platforms? Yeah. Well, let me, let me back up and say something. Um, I, I always love it when someone says Facebook's dying, all the millennials are leaving. Facebook's not ever dying. There are so many people who are so married to Facebook because Facebook's collecting so much data and tied in with so many people who are using that data to create more data that frankly, if at a certain point, the only people who are on Facebook are 80 year old women who live in Nebraska named Margaret, I will still be on Facebook. Exactly. to market them. Exactly. So yeah, um, that's when the house slipper will come in handy. Steven. So that's when you <laughs> will need to launch that. So. And yeah, I will definitely do that. Pink, all pink. All pink um, exactly. So remarketing slash retargeting, very effective for us. Uh, it's very cost effective and you can do dynamic retargeting so that your people are only seeing uh, the, the ads for products that they already saw on our website. You can do more generic stuff. We're using a product called Stamped, S-T-A-M-P-E-D dot I-O. Uh, one of the things that it will do is create dynamic ads that we can run with. Um, we're doing that, by the way, if you sign up with Stamped, and I highly recommend it, tell them I said said hi and sent you. I don't think I get anything for that other than Tommy going, thanks, man. Um, <laughs> yep. So, but there, uh, if people know Yacht Post, Stamped is similar, but at like a tenth of the cost. 
And the other thing about Facebook is be on the lookout for when they launch new ad types, because when they do, they tend to work disproportionately well for a while for two reasons. One, Facebook will make them less expensive because they want to get people aware of them and starting to use them. Then they'll, of course, jack up the price. Uh, and the other is they're novel. So people are seeing something in their feed that's visually unusual and it catches their attention. So that'll last for a while, too. I, I'm, I'm blanking on the names um, of some of the more recent types of ads they've been doing uh, that we started using. And we always had good effect uh, or, or good results from at least in the first couple of months. Great. Yeah. So be an early adopter. It often pays to do that. I would, I would fully agree with that as well. Well, one of the things I've been really fascinated about over the last several years is watching the rise of crowdfunding sites, you know, Kickstarter, Indiegogo. Uh, you're doing something kind of interesting right now, allowing people to invest in zero shoes. You want to talk about that a little bit, maybe the genesis of that idea, and then, then how's it going? Yes. So let's clarify the distinction between Indiegogo and Kickstarter, which are product crowdfunding, which is basically a glorified way of saying pre-purchasing, assuming the product ever comes to fruition, um, versus equity crowdfunding, where you're literally selling stock in your company. And the reason this is such a big deal is previously, if you wanted to buy stock in a privately held company, whether it was a startup or an existing company, you had to be an accredited investor. You had to be someone who makes at least $250,000 a year and or has a net worth of over a million dollars, not including the value of your home. With the Jobs Act of, I think it was 2012, but it was 2015 when it kicked in. Now, I'm, I'm overgeneralizing to say this, but basically anyone can invest in a company they believe in. And how much it costs to invest is up to the company to decide. For us, it's as little as $100 to become a partial owner of Zero Shoes. And it's a very different thing to be buying stock in a company and becoming a part owner than it is just putting on a credit card and getting a product, assuming it ever it ever comes into existence. Uh, there's more paperwork involved. You can't use credit cards. There's, it's just a little more complicated and it's a little harder for people to understand. One of the questions that comes up is, well, once I own your stock, what can I do with it? And one of the amazing things is because we are not licensed broker dealers, we're legally not allowed to tell you what you could do. With nice. So, nice. um, it, and I said, we said to the sec, can't we just point people to a Wikipedia page about private stock ownership and what you do. They went, no, no, because the SEC is being hyper, hyper cautious. They don't want people to get ripped off. In fact, right. the whole right. reason for the the whole reason for the accredited investor thing is the idea that these people are smart enough that they know how to analyze stuff. And if they lose money, hey, they have enough of it. It's not going to make a difference. Neither of those things are true. Um, and the idea that that people who don't have as much money are less sophisticated is patently false. And even more, because there's this public crowd thing going on, it's essentially self-policing. So many of us in the crowdfunding world think that the SEC is being overly protective for the very, very much the wrong reasons, uh, or their reasons are just not, not founded. Kind of, kind of antiquated now too, possibly, you know, thinking, thinking about how the, the crowdfunding has just kind of changed the game yeah, altogether. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And look, and, and, and honestly, people who are in the equity business, broker dealers, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, um, 
brokerages, uh, anyone who buys and sells stock for you, they uh, many of them are panicked because they can see that there's a way that they can be cut out of the of the loop and lose their revenue. So that's an interesting piece of it as well. But suffice it to say, there's now possibilities for you to invest in a company you believe in, whether you love, know and love the products or you see where they're going and want to invest as a with you know the hopeful possibility of making money or for any other reason you can think of, that's a possibility. So we heard about equity crowdfunding about a year ago from a guy named Carl Dakin, uh, who was talking about it not just as a way to raise capital, to raise money for your business, but as a marketing play. And what he said is, look, when people invest in your company, they are now literally invested in your success. Can you think of a better group to have on your side to use for for various things that you want to do to promote your product, promote your brand, get the word out, et cetera, et cetera? And I, I was jumping out of my chair with excitement when I thought about this. It's just the most, uh, it's, it's just the idea of having our most cherished customers as part of the conversation about how to build and move the business forward. They're, they're literally uh, bought in. They, they literally have ownership and, and makes them even more yeah. passionate to share the story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and it's, and they're more valuable for us too, because we can get, we can get information from them more easily that allows us to really have some ideas about whether we're heading in the direction that we should be heading, whether we want to go that, that way or this way. You know, if we have new products coming out, we can talk to them first. If we have new colors in existing products, we can talk to them first. If we want them to go raid a store and say, Hey, why don't you guys sell zero shoes? <laughs> we can have them do that. <laughs> Man, so, I love it. I love it. That's yeah. phenomenal. So, so that was the most exciting part for Lena. Also, she loves what people refer to as the democratization of capital. Yes. The idea that previously the only people who could take advantage of companies like ours that are growing at the rate we are were already existingly rich people just seems unfair. It just seems wrong. It just it, it seems divisive. And uh, the idea that now anyone can participate in this process, that it is literally a democratic process, is very exciting to us philosophically as well. And look, if equity crowdfunding eventually fixes some of the glitches that it currently has, it literally could change Wall Street. It wow. literally could change the capital industry. And we, you know, we started this business trying to change the footwear industry. We like the idea that we're part of changing the money business too. Very cool. Very cool. So Stephen, this has been phenomenal. We've, we've covered a ton of ground from product design to, to website enhancement and, and CRO to now democratization of capital, which is really cool. So if someone wants to find out more about that, more about investing in zero shoes, more about just how to live feet first, as you guys like to talk about, how can they find out more about you guys? Good question. Thank you for asking. So for the investment part, if you go to invest.zeroshoes, that's X-E-R-O shoes, plural.com, invest.zeroshoes.com, you can find out all about investing. We are uh, ending this particular part of the raise. We're not accepting new investors uh, through crowdfunding. Uh, right now, after August 31st, at I think it's something like midnight Eastern time. Uh, so if that's interesting to you, get started. And if you have any questions, you can post them on the, the invest.zeroshoes.com site, or you can email us or call us. All of our contact info is on that page. Uh, but there's a, a limited number of shares that are left to, uh, available. As of the time that we're taping this, we have over $650,000 committed. Um, we have already reached our internal goals. And so everything else is just kind of gravy. We have That's phenomenal. Lots of, 
yeah, we're really happy. Uh, but we literally only have a limited number of shares that we're uh, that we're selling. Uh, so uh, do with that what you will. And if you want to find out more about our product, about living life feet first and having the fun and benefits of natural movement, then just go to zeroshoes.com, xeroshoes.com, and there's info there. And of course, you know, join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash zeroshoes, and Instagram at zeroshoes, and Twitter at zeroshoes, and YouTube, zeroshoes. <laughs> Everywhere you can think of, we're, you know, xeroshoes. Yeah, and you got to check it out if for no other reason just to see what they're doing, how they're marketing, how they position the products, what they're doing on social media. You guys, you guys, are, you're just hustling. You're doing it all very, very well from my perspective and from my observation. So, so good job on that. Well, Stephen, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, been immensely valuable. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Awesome. Well, very good. And as always, thank you all for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of, uh, other topic ideas. We are all ears. Uh, as always, we'd love to get that review on iTunes and love to connect with you on social media as well. And so with that, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on resources and guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.